Hi, and welcome back with Richmond Fire Dialogues. I am Captain Jamie Potter, and I am interviewing Captain Mark Riles today about his incident at 3505 Chamberlain Avenue that occurred January 16th of 2021. Mr. Riles, give us a little bit of background about you and your career here with Richmond Fire. Well, I came on the job in 2006, got assigned to Quint 11. Uh, worked a couple years there and then a couple years at Rescue One, promoted uh, lieutenant, went back to 11. Spent nearly 10 more years there before going to Engine 14, um, which is where the I was assigned when the incident occurred, and uh, promoted and now at Engine 15. Okay, so tell us a little bit before we jump into talking about the Chamberlain Avenue call. How long had you been assigned to Engine 14 before that call came in? Oh, uh, would have been close to eight months, roughly. I okay. Think. So not a whole lot of time there, just under a year? Uh, correct. All right. So uh, that fire, if, why don't you go ahead and give us some information about the fire? Well, it was an uh, apartment fire dispatched at uh, shift change. Uh, so there's always the challenges that present, um, you know, trying to be organized and, and uh, work through our shift change process. But um, apartment fire in a large complex, um, and I remember it was dispatched kind of odd, almost as if it originated as an EMS call. And um, the victim called in and said that almost like falling and can't get up and I just remember in route seeing that the fire department was being added to the call. So it kind of struck me as odd because, you know, that happens for four-century situations and lift assist, but normally when you get put on a full assignment, you weren't added as a secondary or an afterthought. So. All right. So you are correct. I'm looking at all of the notes on the call now, and it does show that it initiated with a person that had fallen and couldn't get up, and then fire department was added in. Um, so tell me about your initial, when you get to work, what that looks like for you. Would this be in a shift change fire? Uh, sometimes, you know, with um, accountability and gear and all of those things, did you have a mixed crew? Did you have your crew? What did that, that look like that morning? Yeah, so... Um... I was really fortunate, all three, myself and the two other officers at 14, um, really promoted um, and encouraged a, a disciplined um, and, and pretty specific um, relief culture. And uh, luckily enough, the uh, firefighters, they, they embraced it as well. Um, so, um, and that really, uh, it really helped because what's interesting about this fire is all three shifts were represented on engine 14 that day. So, you know, for, for this to work, it kind of represents that all three shifts have to buy into this relief culture of, of just being organized. So as we know, in Richmond Fire Department, we typically relieve off a person um, with the exception of the officers and most recently the drivers, um, DPOs. But um, at the time, you know, the, the officer would be the only, um, person relieving based off position and everybody else would, would do it based off of just um, a person. So what we encouraged at 14 was um, come in in the morning and before you go in and, and get your coffee and, and start talking with everybody else, 
if, if you're declaring that you're going to take the call if it comes in, that you need to find your person, remove their gear, um, and, and put, put your gear in place, check your air pack, and, and be actually ready to go um, You know, if a call comes in. This also involved um, getting um, accountability tags changed out as well. Minor detail there, but I do remember specifically at this fire, um, Battalion Chief Ring looking at me and saying, "Y'all, your riding list was accurate, and a lot of times that doesn't happen at ship change, so it stood out." But yeah, yeah, the the entire firehouse was um, bought into the culture, and and it paid off this morning. And um, the reason for all three shifts being represented. Um, I was on B shift at the time. Two B shifters had already relieved their C shift person, had a C shift driver still on, and um, there was a mutual exchange or a swap. So an A shifter was coming in that morning and, re and relieved a C shifter. So all three shifts on the rig for this six fifty, six forty five in the morning call. Yeah, time of dispatch uh, for the call was zero six forty eight and ten second or ten milliseconds actually. Um, so with that being said, talk to me about the training leading up to this incident. Have y'all been to this facility? Have y'all been to this building? Like, how did you um, make it in route and know exactly where you were going and all those different factors that played into this success? So this this part it played a, a big part in, in 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 the success of that morning um coming from 11 i had spent a lot of time at 11 and it was my first district so i, I knew you know it forwards and backwards when we would get dispatched on a call at, at 11 and i could picture the house normally and i started to kind of i guess as the time went on you take that for granted that district knowledge so Boom, you know, transfer list. I show up at 14 and, you know, my eyes are wide open to how much I don't know about the district. I mean, I know how to get around a little bit, but, and there's there's so many, um, you know, little apartment complexes and big apartment complexes. Uh, I realized that I needed to get out and pre-plan. I call it a combat pre-plan. And I don't think it's, you know, I'm not doing anything that other companies aren't doing. I, I'm sure at, at some level, most of the, most of the companies are getting out and doing this at certain addresses that they kind of recognize um, a higher risk or a higher threat. And prioritize this by, you know, the MDC is such a valuable tool that we use every day um, for responding to calls. But when you have a, a commercial building or an apartment complex that's represented by one numerical and one address, but has multiple buildings, those are the ones that I like to get out and, and map out because the MDC isn't going to flag the specific building. It's going to kind of drop a a, uh, a flag right over top of the, the center of the address. And if there's, um, you know, depending on what building it actually is within that address, you might position a certain way for one and a different way for the other. And engine companies especially, I mean, truck companies as well, we don't really get a second chance to, to reposition. So you want to get it right the first time, and especially when somebody's reported trap, as was the case this morning. So 
we got out in the district and we we did a little walking around and i just asked the guys that had been there before me they, my crew that had been at 14 i said hey take me some places that are confusing or some places that you know you think hey this you know some bad things could happen here and um you know one morning we went out and checked a smoke detector for a, a lady in an apartment and and I walked into this sprawling complex at 3505 Chamberlain and I just I said this is this is the place something's going to happen here one day we we got to map this this area out and so the complex is you know a long city block long i mean it is the entire block and it's um one numerical but it's multiple buildings with letters so so we went out and we walked it and pre-planned it and took a measuring wheel. We we did our thing and, and you know took measurements and had a plan for well if it's building H we park here, if it's building A we park here. And and that's what we did and ultimately it paid off um you know, it was an invaluable tool that morning. Okay. <clears throat> so did they give you the actual address with the letter and everything when they dispatched the call yes ma'am they did um i believe it was h hotel um they gave it to us right on dispatch um so um to further elaborate on these combat pre-plans pre-plans as i've kind of named them i um you know make the map you know in something like you know paint or or whatever on the computer and then um you know, I'll print off a hard copy and put it in, in a binder. But what I also do, and this kind of has been the, the the best method, is I'll add the picture to the MDC desktop. And and a lot of people don't know that we can do that. And it's simple as saving the attachment, emailing it to myself, pulling up my email, you know, in Chrome, and then downloading it to the MDC. So as we're pulling out on onto Brooklyn Park, just you know, getting out of the firehouse, I'm minimizing our normal MDC program and double clicking on you know icon on desktop and it pulls up the map that that i made of 3505 chamberlain so i got it mapped out right in front of me um you know and they're 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 kind of saying in route that um you know there's smoke and somebody down and um firefighter pumphrey was driving for me that morning and i remember telling them as we're turning on chamberlain i said i i think they're reporting somebody's trapped here and you know and he's like all right so that was kind of the nod we 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 got to get there we got to go and i and i told him i said it's going to be building h that's the first parking lot that we get to turn into that parking lot and he all right and he handled it from there and i started kind of preparing myself the rest of the way and made sure that the guys in the back were getting the updated information so okay so your report talks about y'all ended up using the 350 line on this fire is that correct that is correct so tell me about when you arrived on scene kind of the conditions that you were met with um so because somehow the call originated as a medical call and apparently didn't prompt a first response uh richmond ambulance um beat us there and so i remember seeing them first they were kind of waving us in and you know it's an early morning call but it was like the entire apartment complex was awake and knew what you know was alerted of the fire there was a lot of people yelling and screaming kind of directing us in and um you know it we knew before we could even see smoke that all right yeah we got something going on here like this isn't the normal 
call this is uh this this is a big event like they you could tell the the crowd knew somebody was was trapped in this in the house or in the apartment um so <clears throat> when we pulled up um gave her one scene report um b position firefighter for the day um firefighter ayler i hollered back at him bring the 350 um and I ran ahead to do recon, had my Halligan bar, went through just, I just remember there was so many people yelling and you kind of run through this tunnel to get to the inside portion of this apartment complex courtyard. And I mean, it was people above me in stairways yelling, it was people beside me. And you know, you, you could tell that, and there was a lot of people who had worked hard to try to make entry, to try to get the door open. Um, and they couldn't, you, there were some people kind of laying down, sitting down. You could tell they were tired. They, they'd been working hard at something. Um, so, so I went up the stairs. Um, I got to a door that had been beaten to pieces, um, by neighbors. Um, and it's, it's interesting that one of the notes in the call indicates that the downstairs, downstairs neighbor heard the lady fall. Um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, at some point the victim was on 911, you know, still conscious on, on the, you know, 911. Um, so, so neighbors had picked up like bricks out of the landscaping and they had started beating the door. Um, I just, I remember the door just being like dented and, and beat, you know, but they, um, you know, the metal door set, you know, in, in a metal frame and, and block and they just, they, they couldn't get in. Um, so, I mean, so part of your pre-plan that you had done, did you know ahead of time, was it part of your pre-plan that you knew exactly which hose line you were going to take in and where, like which way you were going to position the engine so that the truck could have access? Um, let's elaborate a little bit more onto that side of it um, so that people get an idea that it's not just a rough sketch of, hey, here's, you know, every building there and they're labeled this way. Um, let's go a little bit further into depth on that pre-plan. Right. So absolutely. Um, I liked part of the pre-plan is taking the guesswork out. And, and so what I'll do is we'll take some measurements with the measuring wheel and that'll be written out onto the pre-plan. So, you know, building H, I know that, or, or say for instance, this complex, there was a few places we knew we could reach with like the 200, but then if we position correctly, we can reach everything with the 350 all right and then you have to back up a little bit and say well what if we just get the address only not the building number we need a neutral spot to start at right so so say this fire had been dispatched with no um you know letter you know building h we had we, we would have had a neutral spot that we picked out that you know if we, we start there we start our recon investigation and we can reach the entire complex with the 350 from that from that spot so going into this we knew it was h and we pre-planned we knew a parking lot i told driver to pull in parking lot and, and i knew exactly i was like 350 no question we can reach it and it and it and 200 wasn't going to reach it so so i called for that early um good coordination um all three shifts trained hard on you know stretching lines and kind of had the same mentality same way of going about it so we plugged in like i said we had a an a shifter who was swap who was on a swap 
plugged him right in and it, you know the operation was seamless just like it was you know just in uh, my crew you know and and no uh no um you know members from the other ship so that so the the line stretch worked out great um do you think that the fact that you and one of the other officers both came from 11 and kind of had worked together that that played an intricate part in some of the others on the apparatus that day being trained essentially to the same level that your team members normally are because you know if you get a fill-in for the day they may not do things the way that that mark riles does them well sure and and there's no question um, my close relationship with lieutenant kenny um, you know, we, we have the same playbook, uh, you know, so we, we trained the same, we trained with each other for many years and then as he promoted and then he could inspire and influence, um, training within his crew, um, that just lined up perfectly. Um, you know, the operations, you know, mirror each other. Um, but you, you bring up a good point, you know, say this is somebody that, um, you know, we've never worked with before, or, or you know, maybe uh, somebody I've never even met before. It's a good time first thing in the morning to have some quick conversations about, you know, if this, then that, and if 350, this is your, you know, this is your job with it. Um, so those those conversations pay off uh, throughout the day, or have the potential to pay off, and that opportunity can't be missed, you know, at lineup or even sooner. You know, as the officer, you know who you've got coming in that day. You might want to pull them aside and say, you know, hey, this or that. And and what's good, and I noticed at 14 and, and even and at 11 before I left and where I'm at now is that when we have, um, you know, a detailed person come in and they may not know exactly our operation, I'll see my firefighters kind of say, hey, look, this is how we do this. And I'm sitting back watching like, all right, yeah, cool. They got that squared away. This is perfect. You know, they got it, they got it straight. So yeah, it, it definitely worked out well that morning. Um, um, the, the two operations between, um, you know, my shift and, and, and Lieutenant Kenny's shift, they worked to work together well. So. Okay. All right. So now you've arrived on scene of this incident and you've started your making your way towards the apartment um, your crew is starting to advance the hose line. Tell me what you're met with. So, so I was running ahead and, and, you know, as I said, encountered all sorts of people and varying levels of, uh, encouragement, let's say. And, uh, and, and I understood that, you know, there was an ex excitement here and it, it gets expressed in several different, you know, ways. So, um, I will say this and, um, it's kind of hard to admit, but I actually, um, because there was so many people around me with such urgency, uh, and and I'll say cheering me on, um, <laughs> I, I had a moment of um, fear that I I haven't I don't know that I've experienced this level on the job, and it was the fear of failure because I'm by myself right now. You know, my my crew is is loading up some Minutemen, you know, lines, and they're getting ready. But I'm I'm it's me in a Halligan bar and, and I'm looking at a metal door and a lot of people that's gonna be, you know, upset with me if I don't get in and also a, a lady on the inside that I'm convinced at this point is definitely in there. Um so get to the door, um there's some smoke pushing around the cracks, but the door was still sealed sealed up pretty good, um, despite um the neighbors giving their best um effort to get in. Um 
and you know something that I hadn't done for the majority of my career I only am in maybe several years leading up to this uh, tool that I carry in my pocket that I probably would have been um, unsuccessful without is a metal chop an aluminum wedge that I carry in my pocket um, that um, you know it was brought to my attention several years ago hey this is a good tactic and I bought into it immediately and um, it honestly um, had never used it I don't think especially not I'm certain I hadn't used it under you know these circumstances uh, until that day um, but trained on it um, routinely I even um, you know for like a couple of Christmases leading up to this this particular year like I would make sure like that'd be a Christmas present one of the things I'd get my crew is hey I want all of you to have this I believe in this it's gonna work for somebody one day and um, so metal chop, um, drove it into the door, uh, went in easy, very easy. Um, got the ads of the Halligan bar in behind the jam and, and pushed down and, and the door popped open easier than it does at the training academy. Um, it couldn't have gone any smoother. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure that the neighbors softened the door a little bit for me. So that, that was a help. Um, so the door pops open about maybe 18 inches and I and I can see that there's some debris behind the door but but I actually was caught off guard by uh the amount of heat that hit me in the face right I I don't know why I mean I know I'm going to an apartment fire but it it was a little bit more than I thought it was going to be you know I just remember thinking that like wow you know and and I'm at this point I can't really see a lot of fire yet there is kind of a glow but as the the room is laid out, you know, you, you don't really see the, it doesn't open up to, you, you have to kind of look to the right to see the, the living room. Um, so anyway, I could see that there was some debris behind the door. It was like some chairs and I was able to clear that. And, um, I put my cheek on the floor and, and, and I could see, uh, the victim's feet, uh, inside the apartment, maybe 10 feet. I could, I could see her. And, you know, it's interesting. So, you know, Richmond Ambulance was there first. They waved us in. They're actually up there, there with me. And, um, and, and I remember the medic saying something to me real quick. I don't remember what that was, but I, I think I kind of verbalized, like, I, I see her. And, and I took a, you know, uh, deep breath. And I thought, I'm going to give this one try here real quick. If she's not particularly large, I'm going to snatch her out in a, in a hurry. And, and so, so uh, I crawled in and, and, and grabbed her. And, and I remember um, when I put my hand on her, she screamed. So I thought she was burned, but I, I think she, she was just maybe startled. Um, but, you know, it's, I could see the fire kind of growing behind her or the glue, and, 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 and I'm bringing her out, and I'm making pretty good time. So um, it, it all happened pretty quick. Um, got her out to the landing, and... Um, the medic kind of helped me get her away from the door and uh and I could hear kind of like couplings hitting the stairs below so I like knew the line was coming up uh the second do engine I remember from the second do engine kind of ran up and was like hey what do you what do you need so I re- kind of remember hollering down to Sandy and them saying hey hold up on the line um I knew we needed a clear space because the way these steps are set up, it's like kind of like they're open. It's not a breezeway, but they are open. But they have um, kind of some louvered decorative um, 
you know, structure on the front of them. So they're somewhat enclosed. So we're kind of in this tunnel here. And now this is filling up with smoke pretty quickly. So I remember we ended up with like smoke maybe, you know, three or four feet off the ground in the stairway. So the medic and a member from Engine 16 um, took her down to the ground level. And then um, that's when hollered down, told the line to come on up. And uh, they came on in and um, had little, had some fire in the living room and a couple of different spots they had some fire and knocked it down pretty quick. By that point, the truck was running up. They knocked out, uh, completed the primary search. It was negative and uh, you know, things were brought under control pretty quickly at that point. All right, so a couple of things that I just want to touch on because, you know, Richmond is full of different ideas. Sure. So there's the mindset that forcible entry is a truck skill. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, it's I think it's an everybody skill. Um, the reality is that, um, you know, we got five truck companies and, you know, 19 engines. The engines typically are going to get to the fire first. And, you know, if it's not too far away from the, um, you know, the truck company station, you know, they, by the time a line gets stretched, you know, maybe the truck gets up there and maybe they can get the door open. And I'm not fighting a, a truck company member to get the door open because I want to save my energy to, to shuffle line forward because that takes a little bit more than just carrying a hook around and, you know, walking through smoke. But, you know, they, they specialize in it, but the engine company needs to have a good grasp on it as well because we're not going to wait and uh i remember that morning uh one of the guys from the truck there was some talk of they might, might they um i think there was going to be an opening coming up for an officer in their house and they said well yeah you you see told you you, you would have done good over here on the truck and i was like well if i was on the truck i wouldn't have done a whole lot this morning but you know that was just some joking between you know between the companies it's always like that with engines and trucks. Absolutely. And, but, you know, yeah, the engine companies have to stay sharp on their skills with, you know, with force entry. And, you know, and I even say throwing ladders, too. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not running around trying to get in front of a truck company throwing their ladders. But, you know, if we get there and somebody's hanging out of a window and we can't even hear the cue of a truck company, well, we, we, you got you to gotta do what you got to do. So um, definitely recommend that engine companies stay sharp on their force entry. So, in route, you knew that you more than likely had somebody trapped and that you were going to go ahead of the hose line. Um, tell me about your tool selection. Is that something that's standardized for you, or is that something that, depending on the circumstance? Um, yeah, so, so I carry a Halligan bar uh, practically everywhere I go, um, regardless, uh, you know, if it's a fire call, fire alarm, Building fire, gas leak, I'm normally toting around a Halligan bar. Um, that's, that's kind of been my go-to for, you know, years now. And, you know, several years ago added the addition of the metal wedge, which really complements the Halligan bar. Um, you know, I don't know that I could have gotten inside this door with a bar only. Um, maybe. It definitely wouldn't have been as quick. Um, I do know that, like, when I, as I'm running up, and I can, I'm looking at this door that they, that obviously some neighbors had tried very hard to get into. And I remember thinking, oh, this one's going to be hard to get in. You know, they, this door's been beat up and it's not open yet. And I radioed somebody, bring, you know, rang me the irons or whatever. Um, turned out didn't need them. 
But um, if I hadn't been carrying a metal wig, probably would have had to sit there and, and get yelled at by a lot of people while, you know, ladies in there breathing smoke, several more breaths, waiting on, you know, the irons to make their way up, so. So talk to me about your decision. Um, you know, again, we're allowed to make some, some pretty tough calls sometimes in our position as officers. So tell me about your decision of not just saying, hey, we're going to forego a hose line and just go in for this person. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think as an engine company, you know, you you use really um, the rule is to, to bring the line. Um, you know, the, you could find some exceptions, but I, I think that there would be very few exceptions for the first two engine to to not bring the line in with them. Um, so that that takes some coordination because we do make some adjustments um, within my company for when somebody's reported trapped. Um, you know, I, as me as an officer, I, I'm gonna take um, maybe a little bit quicker approach to trying to get inside and starting a search along with the Charlie position um, firefighter. Um, but in doing so, that, that now the, the driver knows that they might have to help push the line forward a little bit more in the front yard or close to the front door helping the uh, nozzle firefighter, you know, get inside. So basically, um, within my company, um, you know, kind of what we say is, all right, the officer in the Charlie position are, are searching, and, and you know, the, the B position, you, you do the same thing you would do every time. You stretch the line. Um, now, when you get inside, you know, we don't just um, you know, tell the nozzle, hey, you know, you're on your own. You know that there's you're going to cross paths with the nozzle with the line you help push it forward pinch points and you may get to a a, a part that you a hallway or a room you can't get in because of fire and then now it's all right well we've done you know we've searched as far as we can go and now we really need to put emphasis on making sure the line gets moved forward so um definitely a proponent of the line goes in every time some in some kind of way you know all right <clears throat> is there anything else that you would like to add about this call? Anything that sticks out with you um, before we get into one last question that I have? Well, no, I just think um, how fortunate I was that the entire firehouse, um, you know, across three shifts were operating, at, you know, on the same page, you know, same sheet of music. Because um, as I mentioned, you know, how, you know, not only was it shift change, but it was like, you know, three different three different platoons operating on the on the same engine that morning. So, um and, and there was not one snag or one thing that, you know, hey, we should have done this different or we could have maybe, you know, been a little more prepared when it, when the alarm hit. Like every everybody was ready to go and you would have anybody would have thought that A, B and C shift that day we were all on the same crew. So yeah, something I didn't touch on was just, you know, some of your major time stamps. Uh, your dispatch time was 064810. Arrival time was 065146. I don't know how many miles away the, the Chamberlain is from 14, but, um, you know, that's a, that to get that kind of time, you have to have a good out-of-shoot time to be able to, to make that. Um, and then the victim was pulled out at 065325. So all pretty impressive numbers. It, uh, it happened very fast that morning. Um, had a great driver who was confident where he was going. You know, like I said, a little bit of a dialogue between me and him early on, and, and he was, he, he you know, he, he had the rest under control. I, I remember kind of maybe looking down once and looking up thinking, oh, we're here. 
Um, so we got there fast. Um, and, um, you know, everybody that morning just operated as they had trained to and um, being familiar with the building, you know, made things happen, you know, quickly and efficiently. So. Uh, and I lied to you. I actually have two more questions sure. uh, just in talking with you. So you say that you pull up your um, combat pre-plan on the MDC that morning. Did you do that? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Yep. Minimized the uh, our normal, you know, MDC program that we take the calls in on and we mark and route on. I minimized that. And on, you know, 14's MDC desktop, um, you know, I had, we had several, and it was a collaborative effort, all three shifts um, would contribute. Um, so there were, at this point, maybe there's three or four different, you know, maps, um, that are hanging out. Um, you know, and it's just as simple as double clicking on the icon and, you know, a, a JPEG image or something shows up in the image viewer. And, and that's the map that, 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 um, my shift and I made and put together, um, you know, labeled, you know, as we, you know, put down and, measured and um you know labeled all the building letters and we knew you know where to park and so yeah minimized that took a quick look at it talked with my driver he confirmed everything then uh minimized that and brought the normal program back up and um you know went went on and went to work so you were able to still like read through all your notes and that kind of thing yeah um, yep absolutely and uh, and I, I would assume on your pre-plan that it identifies your hydrant source um, so that you don't really have to stay focused on your notes while you're in route, you can take the time to look over at the, your other page. Yep, uh, we do. Um, we add uh, hydrants in. So, um, and I and I might have flipped back and forth between the two um, a couple times, but you know, then then um, you know, ultimately ended up on the the normal, the traditional, the the MDC program that we all use. So. Okay. <clears throat> uh, last question, uh, just because of. Um, you know, riding the car, those kind of things. So I assume that you and Chief Ring had worked collectively on, hey, if that I'm presented with this kind of event, then I'm going to go inside or something like that um, with your transfer of command. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think in route, you know, Chief Ring heard, what was going on and he's you know he's you know checking out the notes and 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 i'm, I'm sh i feel like maybe dispatch might have told us and route i don't know if they had enough time so you know he's uh he had a good idea of what i was confronted with and um but you know i don't i never relinquished command through um you know through my operation that morning i mean it really um it was no need to. Um, everything that I was handling was right in front of me, and I could coordinate and give updates. Uh, I remember DEC was wearing me out with radio traffic, um, but you know I had no trouble kind of managing both. Um, and 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 you know, you know I, I made my play, and and that was done. And then I, I remember just kind of hanging out by the front door, as um, you know, um, Lieutenant Anderson with Truck Three came by, and I think he even kind of gave me a like. Hey, good job. We got it from here. Just you know, hey, chill out. You know, kind of collect yourself, and and which was great. I mean, because when you're in those moments and you're kind of feeling like, wow, this exploded in front of me pretty quickly, and you're kind of coming off of it, but there's still a fire and a search that needs to be done. I mean, it was awesome. You know, having those guys come in and and handle business, and then I kind of fell back to just more of a, 
you know, command and coordinate and update battalion chief on the way in. So when he arrived, he could hit the ground running. So Awesome. Well, ultimately, um, you know, you and your crew did an amazing job, was able to get this uh, lady out, and everything came together for you. So we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you.